AT&T Threat Track is a roundtable discussion of security trends and news. Full video of this program can be found on YouTube by searching for AT&T Threat Track. Hey, John. So it sounds like we're going to get a new update to Apple's iOS soon. Uh, what's so special about this one? Yeah, there's uh, really in the news recently, there were a couple stories that kind of broke. Um, you know, regarding the, the current version of Apple iOS and some version issues, um, in particular, there was a story out of a company called ZecOps, which is a startup that uh, founded by, I think, the guy from Zimperium. <laughs> so he likes, the, he likes companies starting with a Z. And ZecOps uh, found this issue that if a particular mail, piece of mail formatted in a certain way was sent to a device, it could cause the device to get a little funky, uh, technical terms. <laughs> the, uh, uh, the mail, you know, the system to crash, it could cause a lot of other issues. Now, Apple's contested this a little bit. So not to be too concerned that you get these weird mail, because, you, you know, the way Zekops posted it, you didn't have to actually open the mail, you just got the mail, and it, <laughs> it got a little messy. Um, Apple's contested this. There's been some other researchers that have said, you know, really what this was was there was a crash dump, particularly malformed email, crashed the system. And then the, uh, you know, SecOps went out and, and analyzed the crash dump and, and duplicated it. And so they thought that that was a security issue. So there, there's a little bit of issues. You know, is this a real security problem? Um, however, uh, Apple has patched it in the 13.4.5 beta and later versions of Apple iOS. The, the other issue, uh, which is probably a little bit more serious, is the, uh, uh, an issue that if you send a Cindy character, which is a, a particular text format, uh, you know, from India, you could, you could actually cause the device to uh, denial of service, it just crashes the, the system. Um, you may remember effective power from a couple of years ago that did the same type of thing, you know, it, what happens is if you send a message to a person and notifications pops up, displays a character, system crash. <laughs> and, uh, you know, those are not good things to have, you know, somebody can really you know, play a little bit of uh, good tricks on people, you know, it's more of a nuisance than, than a security issue, I guess. Um, but the Cindy character issue is again passed in 13.4.5 beta and later. So these two issues in combination are telling me, you know, 13.4.1 is out now on production. So my guess is, is that even though they're in the 13.4.5 beta, there is a good chance that the, um, uh, you know, the next release of Apple, which I would kind of anticipate soon, will uh, have both these patches in it. Sure. And that, that should be fairly easy. I mean, they, they do make it easy to install those sorts of updates. Um, it's yeah. very interesting to see such a wide spectrum of bugs, right? You've got the one thing which it seems to be the sort of thing you might send to your friends to mess with them. Like that, it's yeah. it's on the level of just, you know, it'll it'll crash things, it'll bug them for a bit and they'll get frustrated. But ultimately, it doesn't seem like that the Cindy bug really has um, any effect other than crashing things. Whereas the other thing, that mail bug seems like a serious one. And from what I read in the article, uh, it sounds like it's already been used in the wild against some fairly important people. Yeah, like I said, it's, it's disputed a little bit. So I, I think that there's some question, you know, it, it, how how liable this is to, to, to get you because it really has to leverage another vulnerability. If you think about it, it's not only just this mail issue, which either impacts the uh, the mail D and the newer versions of Apple. 
it, it also requires some other kernel vulnerability to exploit fully. Mm -hmm. So there, there is a, it's a chain type of action, and, and we know a lot of chains happen. <laughs> That's pretty easy, but it, it is something that you know, uh, like you said, is, is pretty serious or could be serious, e even though it's disputed. I got a quick question for you, John. Is there any way that um, companies can protect themselves from this um, in the interim before the, the patch gets released? Maybe something on their perimeter uh, with, with their mail? And I'm just, just curious on yeah. that. Yeah, I think that there was a, 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 a fingerprint or whatever you want to call it, you know, for the, the mail issue. I don't know how effective it was. Um, I, you know, I, I think that there is some ways that they can protect you from that particular chain, but they're not releasing a whole lot of detail. So I'm not 100% convinced that we have the full picture of what that format would be. Um, from the from the Bindi or not Bindi, but from the Cindy um, uh, issue, you are going to have to turn off notifications. Uh, which nobody wants to turn off notifications, right? <laughs> like, you know, then you don't get no pop-ups, no message. Hey, I got a new message. I got a new email. I got a new anything. So you could do that because it's all based on notifications. So there, there are workarounds. I think that if you are real nervous about it, you could probably do some of those. Um, but I, I don't necessarily know if you could, you know, prevent the mail one in particular completely. Um, but the uh, the character issue, I think you could. It sounds like to me that um, there are, as you said, some workarounds, but for a production environment for, say, a company, uh, that's probably not something that is a solid workaround. So, therefore, hurry up and wait for that patch. Correct. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And that's when that's why kind of what I'm talking about it here. I'm thinking, you know, that people are going to want to install it, especially at a corporate level or those most susceptible users. I mean, we say that anyway. Right, <laughs> install the latest version. But in this case, I think it, it has a little bit more emphasis. All right, very cool. Thanks for taking the time to explain these to us. Yeah, thanks. Now, Tony, I've been hearing a lot about Office 365 problems for the financial sector. Anything you can share on that? Absolutely. Um, I've been doing a lot of reading lately, and I've noticed in the past five days numerous articles coming out about Office 365 phishing events. Now, Office 365 phishing, SharePoint phishing is not new. Uh, I'll just state that right now. However, the uptick that I'm seeing is something that I thought maybe it, it's time to kind of talk about again, just for the fact that it, it's scattered and it's all over the place. So um, since May 1st, I've been reading articles. Uh, the first one is related to uh, the one that's targeting financial sector, real estate, and legal, but they're targeting the executives. And what they're doing with that one is it's, it's a global event. They're hitting a lot of different countries across the world, but not only are they focusing on the executives, but they're, they're using tactics that give the URL and give the, the email that goes into their mailbox a very legitimate feel. Um, so the filtering's not going to catch some of the URLs because it's redirecting to legitimate sources like AppSpot and a few other ones out there. And then what they're doing is they're randomizing some of the file names, and it's all, that's also tricking the filters. But they're also doing countermeasures. So every time you go to one of these sites, it'll take a fingerprint of the browser. If you try to go to it again, it'll reject it. So if you're doing sandboxing or if there's any submittals, 
it kind of dies on the vine. The next one that I started reading about started on May 4th. And with that one, um, that one was reported by uh, DHS, uh, the CISA part of it. And what that is, it's targeting Microsoft Teams. So due to the situation that we're all in, um, they're, they're blasting these things out. Uh, about 50,000 individuals that they've already reported that is being targeted by this. But it's, you know, everyone's working from home. Here's your Microsoft Team notification to take some sort of action. And Microsoft Teams, since that's kind of locked in with Office 365 and SharePoint, it'll bring up a fake SharePoint site or um, Microsoft Office site. And that's how they harvest the, the credentials there. Now, the tactics on this one is different than the one that I spoke about uh, that I read about on May 1st. This one does numerous URL redirects, so it's definitely not the same actors doing this. The, the concern with this is since it's not targeting executives and they don't have a, a true um, uh, focus on it, if they're getting in with these Microsoft credentials, they're not only targeting Microsoft Teams, but anything on those people's SharePoint, even their, their mailboxes. So the, the impact for these victims could be very widespread. And, you know, that's a major concern. The third one that I came across happened, ha happened to show up on the 5th, just the next day, a completely different Office 365 phishing campaign. Uh, this one's targeting the financial industry. Um, Actually, they're targeting uh, a specific group. Um, it's called FINRA. Uh, the tactics with this one, uh, they're using cousin domains. Um, they're also working with uh, kind of a BEC, a business email compromise sort of feel to it, where they're, some of them have the payloads, and some of them are just emails that are reaching out to these individuals, starting, starting, out, starting up a, a conversation. And then once they get to the point where trust is instilled, then they can give them the payload and possibly harvest their credentials as well. So in the past five days, uh, there's been some reports out there focusing on financial. Uh, they're, they're targeting the work from home situation, and it's all based on Office 365 and SharePoint. So because I saw so many different things happening, I felt it was something that you know, we could talk about. Are all of these, Tony, are all these whaling efforts too? Like you said, the first one, I'm pretty sure you said they were targeting certain high-level people, but I mean, is all of these also, are the other two also whaling? They all feel very spearfish to me. Uh, the first one was targeting executives. The second one, uh, the articles talked about they were targeting only 50,000 people, but only these, these people were related to Microsoft Teams in one way or another. Either they had an account or so forth. And then the third one was a, a particular financial industry institution. So uh, I, I would say that they're very spearfish related. You know, anyone that's watching this, you should always be careful with this stuff. But, you know, these, these areas in general, especially the financial district, be careful. It's interesting to you talk about, you know, spending the time on a particular target of fishing to try and gain rapport before actually sending them, you know, a malicious attachment or a link or what have you. And to me, that sounds like they're picking people that they consider high value and worth investing the time. Uh, Cause they wouldn't just, there's no way you're gonna do this. It's not gonna scale like in the other situation with like 10,000 individuals, 50,000 individuals. There's right. only so much bandwidth an attacker has. So they would have to be doing this for a very small targeted group of people. Uh, correct. And for that one in particular, 
uh, the emails are coming in from a cousin domain. So it looks very familiar to, to the readers. It's just slightly off. And, you know, you've got a, a, a mailbox that's got hundreds of thousands of, of emails. I mean, you don't check from, you don't necessarily check a lot of these things, even though you should, when you have that much going on. So, yeah, it's definitely, definitely targeted. Are the, are the newer ones, are they getting caught by some of the spam filters already, or is it, is it, are the signatures still in development? It's basically some of the tactics. That's a really good question. Um, with the first one that I talked about, um, they're, they're going to try to prevent sandboxing. So any sort of submittal to kind of find out what's going on after the first URL. Um, with the, the browser fingerprinting or they don't allow you to go back to it, uh, that's going to be really hard, hard for filters. Uh, the Microsoft Teams one, I think that one's pretty much an easy one. When, whenever you see a URL doing numerous redirects, that's not normal. So the filters are probably in place for that one. Uh, the third one, uh, half, I would say, I mean, things are coming in with PDFs with the URL in it. You know, most sandboxing technologies can figure that out. It's when it goes to the, the low volume BEC where it's that personal email back and forth, like Matt said, you know, spending a lot of time there. You go from maybe a thousand emails coming into an environment to maybe one or two, and it could be one a day to total across. You know, so that's very low volume, and it's going to be really hard for filters to pick that sort of stuff up. Hey, John, I heard you got a marketing quiz for us. I do. You're so, you guys are so lucky. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, this one is all about security frameworks. So there's a theme and, and collaboration, I, I should say. It's, it's three questions. Uh, it may be a little tricky. We'll, we'll see. So, so the first one is which of the following is a, is a security framework? So I'm going to give you a list, and you tell me which one is. And, 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 I'll, and I'll give you the whole list. You don't have to answer them if they go across. Uh, cyber kill chain, the diamond model, MITRE attack, or all of the above. Hmm. I have heard of all three of them. Um, I guess my big question is, what do you consider a security framework? Because they're all models and ways of describing uh, attacks. My, I, I knew that. I knew you would. You know what? <laughs> Maybe I'm just going to have to go with all of the above and see what, what happens, how that spills out. What do you think, Tony? Um, I know about the kill chain. I, you know, for some reason, MITRE is just kind of screaming out for me. And if I'm wrong, I'll do 20 push-ups. Well, it, it, it really is all the above. But, okay. but the, 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 the challenge here is, is like you said, Matt, is, is some of these security framework, that framework question throws people a little bit because it's, it's a little ambiguous. Mm. You know, cyber kill chain is really about finding, you know, the attacker's methods. You know, and diamond models really is, is you know, it also has more as an investigative. Um, you know, whereas Meyer's trying to do everything into everybody. Um, yeah. but, but, but depending on how you look at it, they're all some form of a intelligence or forensics framework. You know, That's good. I, was, I was picking MITRE. I was picking MITRE because of just how robust it is. And it's, to me, it's more like a framework. The other ones have, have that as well. So I will do my 20 push-ups later since I didn't get all of the above. <laughs> no, you're all right. You're all right. I'll give you, I'll give you partial credit. 
<laughs> then the, the so the next one is so speaking of MITRE, there are eleven tactics in the MITRE attack framework. Which of these is not not one of them? Okay, so execution, vertical movement, persistence, and the last one is exfiltration. Three of these are correct. Execution, okay. execution, vertical movement, persistence, and exfiltration. John, I'm going to go with vertical movement. Same Laterals, here. It, yeah, laterals easy. Vertical. Yeah, you wouldn't call it that. You would call it uh, escalating privileges or something like that. Yep. Well, I, th I thought that one might fool you guys. <laughs> you're you're absolutely right. <laughs> that's that's the correct answer. Uh, lateral movement is, is like you said is is true. You know, but vertical movement would not ever. I don't think we would ever call it vertical movement. Like I said escalation. Some kind of thing of that nature would probably be the term that would be most most likely to be used. So that, that was one I thought I would get you. <laughs> so, so here's an easier one, maybe. Uh, the collaboration tool MIST, M-I-S-T, originally stood for, and I'm going to give you four options. You guys already know this anyway. But malicious indicators sharing platform, malevolent induction symptom performance, malware information sharing platforms or main identifier solutioning pipeline you know it's it's a close call between the first one and the third one because they're off by one letter although my i'm going to go with malicious indicator sharing platform and not malware specifically because you can store more than malware indicators in the system which one was three was it malware or it's malicious indicator sharing platform, malevolent induction symptom performance, malware information sharing platform, main identifier solutioning pipeline. I'm going to go with three. I'm going to go the opposite okay. of Matt, just because. So, so, so Tony got it right. Whoa, all right. <laughs> but, and the reason, and, but Matt, you're, you're absolutely actually somewhat correct is that MIST started off as a malware information. That was, that was where they wanted to go. But they rarely use that term anymore because they, they want to avoid that, um, you know, that, that narrowing of their focus just to malware, like you were right. indicating. Is, is so, so even though that's where it came from, it's certainly not what it's used for today. So, so you, you rarely find somebody actually spelling out MIST anyway anymore right. just because it, it tries to you know to pigeonhole that into the malware and, you, and you, that's not what it's for so good job guys really good all right cool that was fun that was fun yeah all right guys let's take a look at this week's internet weather so these are the top 10 most probed ports for the last week uh as you can see there are a lot of things that sort of shifted around but not a lot of things jumped into or out of the top 10 this week i'm just going to run through them real quick so port 23 TCP is in first place, same as last week, that's Telnet. 445 is SMB, 80 ICMP is ping, 443 TCP is HTTPS. Uh, 1433 TCP is Microsoft SQL uh, database server. 81 TCP is the Go Ahead web server, which we talked about last week on the show. Uh, 22 TCP is SSH, 5555 TCP is Android Remote Debug Bridge, 3389 is Remote Desktop Protocol, 
And at the bottom of the list at number 10 is ADTCP or plain old web. So you can see that most, in fact, those might be almost identical lists uh, of ports. The only ones that I see different here in the most sources probing, again, this is individual sources and not volume of, of scanning. Uh, number four on the list is ADADTCP. That's typically an alternate web port, sometimes a web proxy. Uh, and also 53 UDP, which is DNS. So a lot of these ports sort of stayed still this week, which is not uncommon. I wanted to go back to something we talked about last week. So we had identified some scanning on port 9673 TCP. Uh, and last week, we didn't know what it was. And fortunately, Jim Clausing did set up a port to listen and see what he could find. And we identified the traffic. And we can tell you what it is. So there was a recent vulnerability uh, that Pierre Kim posted uh, from this year uh, against the Zizel CNM Secu Manager software. And it seems that this is the software that's being attacked. In fact, uh, Pierre Kim posted a bunch of different vulnerabilities against these particular devices, one of which is a remote code execution bug that you can make a web request to the device and gain remote code execution. And you can see why that would be attractive for an attacker. As you can also see on the graph, uh, that scanning traffic peaked last week and has slowly been tapering off, but hasn't really gone away. It may be that a bunch of devices were successfully infected, and this population shows that they are out there and scanning for the same vulnerability, uh, but I don't have a very good way of determining that. What I can show you is what the traffic looks like. This is the payload. I've redacted some of it, uh, but you can see the exact request that was made. The user agent is interesting, XTC, which is not something I'm familiar with. Uh, really, it's if you look at the, this is actually a get parameter. It's formatted a little bit different just so it's a little easier to read, not all on, on one line. Uh, but the CPE IDs request in um, delete CPEs by IDs um, endpoint, what you see here is this, they're actually, um, it's a remote code execution bug where you just drop in a command and it gets executed as a, as a shell within a CH root on the box. But basically means that you can reach out like you're seeing here. Uh, I'm gonna do a little bit of, um, decoding here for you or uh, translation. Uh, this wget command is for grabbing a file off the web. So they're grabbing this particular URL that ends with arm seven. They're outputting it to a file uh, slash temp upnp.debug. They're ch modding at 777, which means allow the system to read and write and execute for all users. Uh, and then they're actually running it. So ultimately what this is doing is it's downloading malware and it's running it from there. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to see what usually happens. You know, sometimes you, we, we only talk about uh, the scanning that goes on, but ultimately people are scanning for vulnerabilities in order to take advantage of them. And this shows exactly the vulnerability that's being taken advantage. What do you guys think? I, I was gonna say, it's kind of it's interesting. Is, is, is I think that CNM vulnerability is a cloud-based manager, right? I think if I remember, but, but this, with, with like the XTC and the, the ARM7 makes me think it's almost an IoT vulnerability that they're trying to find. That That's what I would think as well. You know, typically um, ARM7 is not a, a processor you see on a lot of, um, let's say standard server hardware or desktop hardware. It is more of an IoT or dedicated device processor. I agree with you on that. Um, it may be that it's not actually an ARM7 payload and they're, they've just misnamed it or named it that way to confuse people. Um, but I've seen a lot of different campaigns where they have 
directories of payloads and there's the one that's called MIPS, there's one that's called ARM7, there's one that's called x86 and they grab the correct ones and then you know run that on the target platform after they figured out what, what kind of processor is there. So it could be either one. I like it that um, you're, you're showing this payload, you, you step through so our viewers can see exactly what's going on here, how it's changing the um, it's doing the change mod to 777. It, this is really interesting stuff, Matt. Yeah. I think, honestly, if you're interested in this sort of stuff, the, the write-up that Pierre Kim posted, and I think we'll have the link in the show notes or in the show itself, um, there's a bunch of different vulnerabilities that are worth exploring there. So check that out. And moving on, I have one more port to talk about this week. I'm not positive that it is what I think it is. Uh, port 2080 TCP has some repeated, uh, repetitive scanning traffic. Um, I think it's the Autodesk License Manager that's being scanned for here. There was uh, a vulnerability in February 2019, and that may explain why we see regular scanning for it. Um, There's the number of sources in the Netherlands, just a handful of sources, less than five. When I mean a handful, I mean a handful. Um, but this is regular scanning. It popped up on our alerting this week, and I figured I'd just, you know, mention it. Um, yeah. But other than that, that is our internet weather for the week. Real quick on this chart, it it looks like it looks like they they go into work and then they start scanning or whatever, you know, in the middle of the weekdays, and then on the weekends they just go home. I you know I've seen patterns like that. I think this is a scheduled scan job that somebody is running, especially given it's a number of small small number of sources. Uh, I have seen um, where like you've got something scanning for port 445, like if you've got uh, WannaCry, you know, installed on a bunch of business desktops, um, those do cycle up and down for each day, uh, but they never quite go away because there's enough of a population of boxes that stay on overnight um, that you never hit rock bottom in terms of the number of scan sources. Uh, here, I think this is uh, more than likely a batch job of, of something like that. The views expressed on AT&T ThreatTrack are those of the participants and do not necessarily represent the views of AT&T or any other person or entity.